Welcome to Word on the Block, the series that takes a deeper dive into the topics we cover right here on Forecast News. I'm Editor-in-Chief Angie Lau. Increasingly, artificial intelligence is taking on ominous tones, machine learning, facial recognition, and concerns about bias, where human programmers' unconscious or maybe conscious bias is baked into the AI thinking. And it's increasingly discomforting for a lot of people and a concern. But can blockchain be a savior? Our next guest right now is John Davidos. He's head of development at NEO. Previous to that, he's a founder of two machine learning startups, has a PhD in machine learning, specializing in recurrent neural networks. His work now centers around blockchain, but there's no doubt emerging technologies are colliding. And John joins us from Seattle. John, welcome. Hey, Angie, how, how are you? Hey, thanks for having me on. We're- Appreciate it. Absolutely. Let's dive right into it, into the article that you wrote that we shared on Forecast News, your opinion piece on how blockchain can save AI. So as I was preparing for our chat, John, I learned that artificial intelligence was a term coined all the way back in the last century, actually in 1956, based on neural networks research in the 1930s and the 40s. I mean, mean, that's the Great Depression uh, (laughs) period and and the recovery since then. Fast forward to today, help us understand where we are in the first quarter of this 21st century, almost 100 years into the future, in this stage of AI technology. Where are we right now? Also, that's a fantastic question, Angie. So the, the way I would say it is, you know, whilst much of the, the focus, the marketing, and uh, shall I say the hype talks about AI, uh, the reality behind AI uh, is really machine learning, the ability to look at extremely large amounts of data and to mine the underlying patterns behind the data. So much of what we think of as AI, you know, whether it is, uh, you know, doing voice recognition or even the so-called self-driving car, is just a rapid sequencing of being able to see a pattern, to recognize it, and then to respond to the pattern. So much like, you know, the the early, uh, the movies, if you will, right? When we went from silent movies to the talkies, the key was to basically play these frames so rapidly that there was the illusion of motion in the screen. And that's how I think of AI. So the the rapid pace of being able to see, recognize, and respond to a pattern creates this illusion of intelligence. Now, with that said, I think you said, you know, where are we today? If you look at the history of machine learning and even AI, Angie, there have been these sort of, uh, how do we say it, so-called AI winters. You know, we've had the peaks and troughs. And uh, I think a big reason for this has been the expectations that we have set the expectations too high. And each time, you know, as we fail to deliver, we kind of end up in a trough of disillusionment. And once again, the cycle repeats itself. However, there is one thing that is different this time around. You know, the ability to use cloud computing resources very economically, almost very cheaply, to be able to mine these patterns is something we could not do in the past ever. And this has been the turning point, the reason for this surge of interest in terms of startups and and VCs and certainly the industry buzz is cheap computing, extremely large amounts of data, and using this to essentially mine and build these deep learning uh, machine learning models. 
I, I really appreciated um, how you uh, really elegantly described what machine learning uh, is in terms of technology. Uh, moving at such a fast pace, it creates an illusion of intelligence, and yet it's extraordinarily intimidating. And the illusion of intelligence is also mistaken for intelligence. And those sentient beings, being humans, uh, are also outsourcing the thinking to uh, what you term as the illusion of intelligence. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a danger in that. There's a concern there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I like the way you, you, you summarized it, Angie. Very beautifully said. You're spot on. I think on one side, there is this growing trust, if you will, on this notion of intelligence inside the systems. And certainly on the other side, there is almost this fear, sometimes even a paranoia, that the system will take over. And I think you're right. You nailed it. I mean, really, <laughs> when you sort of, you know, piece open these layers, uh, what you have is not truly, in my opinion, intelligence. It is the illusion of intelligence. In fact, I mean, uh, I, I joke with people. I tell people, look, you know, it, it is not AI systems that I worry about. I worry about bad code. I worry about mm -hmm. bugs in code because bugs in code are really what cause significant challenges and issues for us in terms of humanity, in terms of uh, our economic system. So there you go. I mean, you know, there is um, certainly some element of the industry hype and the marketing machine kicking in. However, uh, as I said in my article, Angie, I think a fundamental issue here is, you know, this uh, inability to parse open uh, within the system and say what exactly is happening and this is perpetuating this unfortunate challenge of this illusion of AI systems and AI will take over the world and so on and so forth. And so where does blockchain come in? Fantastic question. So the, the, there is what I call the Achilles heel of AI, Henji. So for me, the Achilles heel of AI is centralization. So what do I mean by this? Two things. First of all, you know, you're probably familiar with the term, I think it's been called what surveillance capitalism. So much of what AI and machine learning is doing these days is what I call surveillance machine learning. So what does it mean? It means that your data and my data, the data of the common man and woman on the street is being used, is being exploited by these centralized vendors. Again, not to pick on anybody, but certainly, you know, it'd be Amazon or, or a Google or a Microsoft or an Apple. They are taking your data and my our data and we have no ability to decide why, when, for how long, you know, they have access here. So basically, we are at the mercy of these centralized systems. With the or without thing, our consent, and mostly it's without our consent or oh, even absolutely. without our knowledge. Absolutely. Right, right. In fact, it is often without our knowledge, right? But there is a deeper issue here, Solange. So again, not to pick any, any one vendor, but let's go with Amazon. You know, they have what is called recognition, which is used to recognize faces, yeah, facial recognition. The challenge is this, you know, when you have commercial and certainly oftentimes even public sector agencies like the customs agency using a single vendor centralized solution, the problem is this. So essentially you have one vendor, you know, whose people design the software, the algorithms, the hardware, the chips, the data centers, the personnel who, who write the code, the people who run the data center. And so you are completely at the mercy of one centralized vendor. Any compromise happening at any point in this chain essentially opens you up with respect to. And so if you think about the implication, for example, if, if the customs agency 
were to use, you know, a service like this to decide who and, you know, shall be let in and who should not be let in, you can imagine the potential, you know, repercussions. So for me, this is such a primitive view of how we look at machine learning. I argue in about five years or seven years, we will look back and say, how stupid were we? You know, how did we let ourselves be lulled into the sense of security by these vendors to use their systems? And this is where blockchain comes in. Being able to, first of all, to decide when, why, how long these systems have access to our data, obviously at our control. And secondly, you know, being able to have multiple vendors, uh, being able to have, let's say, for example, an Amazon, an Azure, a Google or an IBM and so on and then triangulating across these systems. And as you very well know, this is exactly how consensus works in blockchain systems. You know, we have multiple nodes, we have multiple systems, and together they come to consensus on a decision. That is the right way. That is the only way to do machine learning. Unfortunately today, you know, we are nowhere close to, to that, that execution model, but more, I guess more egregiously, you know, there is a lack of understanding of the risks of how we do machine learning today. Okay, so what you're saying is actually if we can apply blockchain architecture, really the philosophy of blockchain uh, and all of the things that uh, it comes with, the, the, the different nodes, the decentralization, uh, the consensus mechanism, the philosophy that really drives the spirit of blockchain – um, that that actually needs to be implemented philosophically into AI thinking as well. Is, is that, that's, is that what you're suggesting? Absolutely spot on. As always, you know, you took my words and you, you had a fantastic summary of this. You're absolutely right. I think, <laughs> I think the, the, the philosophy, I think the economic model, and certainly mm -hmm. the technology architectures behind decentralized blockchains have to be infused into machine learning systems. And unfortunately, though, we are nowhere close to being there. I believe this is the only way. You know, there is a lot of talk about, for example, so-called ethical AI engine. Mm -hmm. So how do we get there? Well, we will not get to any, any, anywhere close to ethical AI if we put ourselves at the mercy of one vendor, right? It's going to be their bias. I, I absolutely agree with this in, in terms of the concern, the bias, when you have one centralized decision-making source, and we're talking about source code here, um, it's, it's almost the, the, the ultimate word, right? And if that is in control of one centralized vendor or developer or group of people, suddenly global thinking and implementation of quote-unquote thinking or quote-unquote the illusion of intelligence mm -hmm. is now only derived from a handful of people where, you know, in society, how we've evolved and how we have, how we have uh, evolved as humans, as societies, as civilizations is really um, an amalgam of millions of lives over centuries. So, so to all of a sudden compartmentalize that into source code written by a handful of people at one company to then implement to a global system, there's going to be some tension there. That's oh, got to sure. be a source of concern. So I mean, in terms it's, it's of blockchain, yeah. yeah. Oh, how does it get worse? I mean, I mean, look, I think this is a recipe for disaster. I mean, you know, just yeah. look at, for example, personnel being compromised, right? I mean, how long will it take for us to recognize that? 
probably a very long time, right? And in, in, in that time, you know, what is the risk to human life, you know, in terms of uh, the systems we run today? So I, I think there is a much more deeper issue here, you know, than uh, I think, unfortunately, the mainstream media understand. I'm very happy to, to hear you call this out. I mean, I'm, I'm so happy to hear you summarize this so eloquently, Angie. Thank you. That's what we do at Forecast News, or at least we try. Um, but but look, you're you're bringing attention to something that increasingly more and more people must understand. It it really is integral, uh, and and it's bubbling up. You're hearing Steve Wozniak and his wife uh, both, you know, um, calling out Apple for giving him double the credit on his, uh, you know, Apple account than his wife, and they share the exact. Uh, you know, bank account. They share this exact salary information. They exact they share their wealth, and yet she. The only uh, apparent difference is that she's female and he's male. And so, there is increasingly these concerns. How does blockchain, besides philosophy, though, when it comes back to data and deep learning and aggregating this this private data that that we should have control of, but don't. How can blockchain play a role in that? Or so, but, yeah, again, te- uh, with technology? Absolutely. Yeah. Again, a, a very relevant question. So I think uh, you're right. That was very much in the news the last couple of weeks with Boaz and obviously his wife. Uh, and so the way I see it, Angie, is this. You know, when you have a, a single vendor, a single system, and, and, and the so-called sort of relying on a single algorithm, uh, the algorithm's biases inherently come through. And, and again, not to obviously, you know, impute or put any particular blame on, on the people who built the system. The fact is the fact. I mean, these systems are inherently biased. So what do you do? So what do you do is this. You know, you, you say, look, we will have three, maybe four different algorithms, four different systems. And ideally, each of these systems have different, you know, software vendors, different hardware vendors, different data centers, obviously different sets of people and personnel. And then you triangulate and say, okay, so across these four different systems, you know, what, what is the, the consensus vote? You know, do we say in this case, was gets so much, uh, but then his wife doesn't? I mean, you know, if you put yourself at the mercy of one system, one algorithm, this is exactly what happens, right? I'll give you an example. Mm. So the, the, the jet planes, you know, the Boeing planes, Airbus for decades uh, have used uh, a Byzantine approach for their sensors. What does it mean? For example, if you're looking to check the altitude, typically they have three, often four different systems. And the systems come from different, you know, chip vendors and different, you know, software and tools vendors and so on. The idea being this, that all these three or four different systems should have consensus before you relay the information on to the pilot and so on and so forth. In fact, uh, some people argue the reason for the, or at least one of the reasons for the 737 MAX challenges is because of cost cutting and the fact that they went away from a Byzantine approach to a single system approach. And as we very well know, I mean, the, 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 the loss to life, I mean, obviously the risk in terms of credibility and certainly uh, that the market you know, value of companies like these are at risk. And so I go back to, again, you know, it's very simple. Uh, some people use the term decentralized AI. I'm not a big fan of the phrase, but I guess you could say it that way. We have to design these systems in a decentralized fashion. And of course, as you very well know, blockchain platforms are the way to go. And we can decide, I mean, which algorithm for consensus and so on and so forth. However, however, the fact that, you know, we today 
have these extremely primitive systems and we just blame the algorithm, I think is just completely unacceptable. Well, at the end of the day, you know, when it comes to artificial intelligence and really blockchain itself, um, the data is the vital life force, right? The fuel to the engine. And in this case, proprietary data is power for AI. Uh, if source data is corrupted, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. If suddenly we can reverse, we can create controls of my personal information that I choose to share that then is used or maybe I donated or contributed to greater AI understanding. And that machine learning then comes from that based on the decentralized model where it is not one source code, it is multiple source codes. It is multiple uh, points of data entry that potentially this illusion of intelligence can become a network of intelligence. Very well that's, said. That's very hope, well said. Right? Yeah, very well. I mean, in fact, I would go one more step, Angie, which is I believe that you ought to be compensated for giving access to your data. Right? Today mm -hmm. we have this this perception that basically it's for free. It's not. I mean, it's your data, it's my data. And so if you want to give access, you know, for a certain amount of time to a certain vendor, uh, the crypto economic protocols inside blockchain systems give us the ability to do so. So for me, this is a very natural fit where, you know, you should have this mindset of, look, if I give you access to my data, then what is in return my compensation? And very simply put, you know, on any of the major blockchain platforms, these 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 uh, economic protocols exist. So once again, I see a very natural segue where I think it's a question of time now before, you know, we find this match of blockchain and AI. Artificial intelligence was coined in 1956. All right, let's 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 coin a term now, John. <laughs> Where are we with AI? What is what is it that we need to know that really encapsulates today's concerns so that the future doesn't look as scary as one corrupted source code? Yes, and, and that's that's a really, really precise, insightful question, Angie. I would say uh, look, in, in a, to boil this down to simple terms, uh, I would prefer if we did not use the phrase AI. I think it just creates, like you said, this illusion, sometimes the hype, and certainly sometimes the paranoia as well. For me, it's machine learning, you know, being able to have machine systems learn from large amounts of data. What are they learning? They're learning patterns. So you could say, look, you know, it's, it's pattern-based learning. Now, with that said, you know, for the, if, if we look at perhaps 2056, which is uh, well, not too far away, uh, I think mm -hmm. you're spot on, which is this notion of a collective, you know, a decentralized, a consensus-based set of systems that can mine and learn patterns, I think is where we end up. And hopefully along the way, you know, we lose this tagline called AI because frankly, you know, look, I've spent many, many years in academia in this space and frankly, Angie, I think we have no idea how, how, how the brain works. And so for us to have the arrogance to say that somehow we can mimic, let alone replicate, I think is the height of arrogance. I'd be much more happier saying that if we can build a collective set of systems, decentralized, consensus-based, with the economic incentives for users to benefit from giving their data, I think we'll be in a much better place. 
John, thank you so much for sharing your expertise, your experience, and your thoughts on the future, truly. Uh, you're an incredible resource, and we will absolutely uh, join you again on the next topic right here on Forecast News. Thanks for joining us, John. Oh, thank you very much. You're very kind. Thank you. Take care, then. Okay, have a good day. Absolutely. And thank you, everyone, for joining us on this latest episode of Word on the Block. I'm Forecast Editor-in-Chief Angie Lau. Until the next time.